Good morning. We are in the middle of a series called Trending Now, where we are looking at practical applications of our faith. How do we answer the questions that we have? How does this faith thing work when it meets the road? Like, what do we actually do with it? And so we've talked about parenting. We've talked about um, how to deal with depression. I mean, we've dealt with some really, 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 really practical things. So if you missed any of those, those messages, please uh, check them out online. You can download the podcast on iTunes or from our app. Um, it's not a shameless plug for myself. It's just I think some of these practical things are really, I don't like get a bonus because you downloaded the app. I really don't. So, uh, But um, I really want you guys to hear some of the truths that are happening here and what we've been talking about, okay? Now, today we're going to talk about something that was pre-planned before the election happened, um, before the results of the election or anything like that. So this is not a political message, but we're going to talk about Satan. Okay, I, I see the irony in that. Some of you think that Satan won, and th- some of you think Satan was defeated in that. I got news for you, Satan's bigger than any political thing going on. Okay, and so we, we, uh, <laughs> we have to... Uh, I know there's all kinds of emotions and all kinds of uh, elation and all kinds of disappointment f- from people in this service right now in, in, in this moment. And so uh, I want to talk about something bigger than that today. I just found it a little funny from some of the Facebook comments I was reading earlier this week. I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm talking about um, politics this week. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the devil. And that may be a weird uh, message topic for you. Like, well, this is not what I was expecting to hear today. But we're talking about really practical things. What do we do with our faith? How does this work? What, do, what does this mean? How does, what does this look like? And how do I react to different situations? And from the Facebook messages I've gotten, the texts I've gotten from you guys and the emails, I get lots of questions about Satan. What does that look like? Where's that found in the Bible? My be- the, f- the best is, where, where is this found in the Bible? That's not, <laughs> was my reaction. Huh. Um, and so there's lots of misinformation. There's lots of interesting things out there about the devil that we actually need to know and be equipped and understand what is truth, what is not truth, so that we are equipped to fight the devil. And so... Uh, that's where we're going today. I, I hope that today will be enlightening. Today's a different kind of message. I've never given a message on the devil before. Uh, this, is, this is a new one for me. Uh, but I just felt like it was really important for us to get really into the nitty-gritty about spiritual warfare and about the enemy and what that looks like so that you can be informed and then take a stand as uh, the protectors of your families, as people in your community, as people in your work, that we can say, no, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, and this is what uh, an arrow from the enemy is, and now I can, by knowing my enemy, now I can defeat my enemy better. Does that make sense? Because we give, I'm going to go ahead and catch this, we give the devil way more power than he deserves, and we give it to him. And I don't know about you, but I don't like giving my enemies more power over me than they need to have. Um, So, uh, and, and, and maybe you've done that in, in other ways, we, but we do this with, with him a lot. And so we're going to delve into this today. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and be, and be mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. I love that sentence. I love how that that looks. After you've done everything... You're going to be able to stand your ground and the waves are going to hit you and life is going to come at you and stuff's going to happen and you will take, when the full armor of God, you will stand. And after all that's happened, what are you going to do? To stand. And the image for that is, is a phalanx or a Roman legion type, um, how, the, how the army fought. As they fought shield to shield, brother to brother, arm in arm together, leaning on other people's strength to strengthen the whole line. This is not the image of one warrior standing on a hilltop going, Argh! no, that's, that's not the image. The only time we really get that in the image of, uh, uh, in biblical, is when actual warfare of David and Jonathan going out and doing kind of some super secret missions by, by themselves. But in the New Testament, they're calling on the way the Romans fought to, to show you how to fight as a community, as an ecclesia, as a church. And that's shield to shield, arm in arm, leaning on each other's strength. The Roman army never lost a fight in which the enemy came face to face with them. Think about that, right? Face to face. Now, if they're outflanked, outmaneuvered, and, and, and pinched in some way, they could lose that way. But face to face fight, outnumbered five to one, the Romans are not losing. They're brilliant. And think about this. Arm in arm. All the armor, all the way in which a, a Roman soldier is armed out is not just for the best warrior for himself, like a knight would be, It is the best way in which I can fight with a person on my right and on my left. And so this is how God has outfitted us as well, and we need to think about that. So after, when you stand like this, you're locked in with a huge shield, and you're locked in, and half of their strength is on your strength, and your strength is strengthening the person to your right, and so on all down the road. So, I want you in your image that when we stand, we have an army watch, you know, gladiator or something and just hitting us. And then after they hit, we're still standing. That's the image that we that we want to conjure up in our brains for this. My main sentence for this, my main, uh, I guess, a sticky sentence I want you to think about when you think about spiritual warfare and when you think about the devil is this. We are not to be afraid, but rather aware. We are not to be afraid, but rather aware. I talk to many of you, and you're scared to death of, of spiritual stuff. You're scared. When I say the word demons or whatever, you're like, <laughs> right? Halloween scares you. And I want to tell you right now, you don't have to be afraid. We are victorious. I know who wins. I've read the end of the book right? I I know who wins. I know who's victorious. The war is already won. We have already won. We don't have to be scared anymore. We don't have to be afraid, but rather we have to be aware. Today is Veterans Day. Just thank the veterans who have served this country, who've lost their lives and have also served and survived. And, And just I thank them so much. My, my grandfather is a veteran. 
And it's just the stories, Bowen and I were sharing stories of, of the grandpas and the funny stories. I, my uh, silly grandma, uh, my mom's uh, dad served in the army and he was a cook. And so whenever grandma needed him to cook for the family, the recipe had to start with 100 potatoes. Right? He, couldn't, he could not pare that down. It had to start with peeling 100 potatoes. And so they're like, no, don't make dad cook because we're going to have mashed potatoes for the next six months. Uh, so anyway, you guys don't care. But <laughs> that, that's, that's, uh, I just, the stories and the, the heritage of people serving in the family is so strong to, to, to pass on. But also thank you so much for those of you who have served for our country this week. But this idea of being a, a veteran, I... I've not met veterans who are like, oh man, we were really scared, scared to go across, but we always were assured that we were going to have the victory. It wasn't like, oh man, we're going to lose that. (laughs) It's just, you know, there's tough times, there's things that are are struggles and we lose people, but it wasn't like, oh man, they were going to over, you know, the the Taliban was going to overthrow America at any time. The the victory of we've got the power in this is assured. But the war is still fighting, and there's still casualties, and they're still going on. This is kind of the idea of this. There's a, a, a clear and superior firepower going on here. And yet, um, we need to be aware of, the, of the, the tenuous situation, but not afraid of losing the war. Does this make sense? Are you, are you catching what I'm saying here? This idea of being afraid of Satan is one of the great victories he has over us and in our church and in our country today. Because the idea is when we start being afraid of Satan, we start putting him on the same level as God. And we cannot do this. This is a reoccurring theme that will come back and back uh, through the message. But here's the deal. This is what Satan does. And Jesus even says this in John uh, 8. For you are children of your father, the devil. For you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and a liar, a father of lies. So who is he? He is a liar. And so this is the most important thing that you need to know about the devil is he is a liar. And he will twist and turn anything that you think you know into for his advantage. He is a liar. Ephesians 5.1. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And see, we give Satan a foothold in our lives and in our thought processes when we start to buy into the lies. When we tell lies or when we go along with lies. What did the scripture just say? Don't have anything to do with the darkness. Expose it to the light. Expose it. To the truth. If you, when you, um, it's kind of like the idea, lies are like roaches. And if you've ever had the joy of having a roach problem in your kitchen, and you flick on the lights, and they cannot stand it. And when we start exposing lies to truth or to light, it starts to evaporate. It starts to go away. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. <clears throat> First thing I want to talk about with this is the devil is real. The devil is real. We're going to talk about the devil and his nature, and then we're going to talk about 
the biblical response to that, okay? I just clearly, so you can't just like, oh, I'm going to stay awake for the first point. You need to hear the whole thing today, okay? So just pay attention. I know some of you, that's hard. I'm ruining your nap time, but that's okay. The devil is real. Revelation 12, 7 to 9 says this, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, and the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels were with him. See, we're gonna, these are the biblical verses. Um, this one and the one I'm getting ready to read is where we get a lot of our, the actual biblical knowledge of what's going on here with the devil. Now, most of popular culture knows something of the devil. But we get all of our information from the devil from horror movies or comic books. These are not strong, works-cited pages, okay? So we get all of our information from uh, these two sources, and where do they get their information from? They get most of their information from a book called Dante's Inferno. Well, Dante's Inferno is a middle part of a three-part um, a trilogy, which would be a three-part book, Jared. Good job. A trilogy that Dante wrote in the Middle Ages. That book is written as political and religious satire, making fun of the Catholic Church. So we are actually getting gleaning. Our pop culture is gleaning what they think they know about Satan from something that was a joke. You see where our problem could be in this. The whole nine you know, circles of hell thing, all that stuff, that was a device that Dante uses to start telling a story. That's not even church dogma. That is, that is Dante poking and making fun of, of the Pope, basically, is what was going on there in Florence, Italy. So a lot of the stuff in which we think we know about it is just false. It's not biblical. And so uh, the, I got an email. There's really not that much about the devil in the Bible. You're right. What's in the Bible is he was cast out, and we're going to read the next part, and he's a liar. That's, God was way more concerned with himself in the Bible than telling you about Satan, which I think should be why I've never given a message on the devil before is because I'm far more concerned with God and serving him than I am with the enemy, okay? So that's just me, and there you go. Um, See, I wanted to do this right before Halloween, but it was Family Worship Sunday, and I thought maybe you might have some problems with the kids. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, I lost my place. All right. Oh, Ezekiel. Uh, so this is where we get Ezekiel 28, 14 to 17. This was, is entitled for the king of uh, Tyr, but it's uh, thought to be uh, talking about uh, the devil. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. For, I, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God, and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. That's important. Because we think about it, we think about um, Satan sometimes, we think about the devil, and we think about him with all this power, but know this, he was created, which means he is underneath God. He was created, and he was created blameless. Because then some people that have uh, just baggage with God, they're mad at God, they're frustrated with God, because why would you create evil? No, he created the devil, and what is he? Blameless. But then wickedness started to take root in him. What was that wickedness? Let's read. Through the widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from the fiery stones. Your heart became proud. 
in account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth, and I made a spectacle of you before kings. What is a sin? It's pride. He started thinking, you know what? I can do this God thing. What's a cherub? Now we, Valentine's Day is corrupted. Once again, culture is corrupted what a cherub is. We think of the little chubby dude going, bing, right? That's what you think of with, uh, you, you can quote me on that, just the leg kick and everything. Uh, well, that's what we think of when we think of a cherub. A cherub, if you read the description of what a cherub is in the scripture, is a warrior. They got six wings, one going like this, covering their, uh, covering their face, covering their feet, covering, and then flying with one. These are warrior angels. These are the, the top, top, top of angels. And so he is created as this guardian cherub, and yet pride sneaks in and distorts everything. He starts thinking, you know what? I could be God. And things happen. So the devil is real. His pride drives him to be cast out of heaven. He is real, and he's dangerous. The devil is at war with us. The devil is at war with us. It's a cosmic temper tantrum. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this, Be be self-controlled and alert. The enemy of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Satan knows that the war is over. He knows he is going down, but his object lesson or object is to rip and tear and, and, and pull as many people with him as he possibly can. He is roaming around like a lion trying to devour people. He wants to take you down with him. This is why we, we, when we talked about priorities a couple of weeks ago, it's so important. It's because when we have our priorities in line, we guard ourselves against the, the footholds. We guard ourselves against the lion prowling around trying to find us in our weak spots and grab us. Because when our priorities are not in line correctly, we open ourselves to, to believing the lies that are told to us. The devil has power, but isn't all powerful. Now, I want this. If you don't get anything else, well, there's the victory part's pretty important for today. So, this one and the victory are what you need to take from today. The devil has power, but is not all powerful. Ephesians 4 26 7. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. If I am able to actually give the devil a foothold, that means he needs me to participate in some aspect. The devil is not omniscient. He does not know everything. Or that's everywhere, sorry. He is, does not, he's not everywhere and he's not omni, nah, omnipresent and omniscient. He doesn't know everything and he's not everywhere at the same time. Those are traits of God. He would love for you to believe that because that puts him on the same playing field as God. Do you see? But we're like, oh, the, the devil's here, the devil's that, the devil, the, 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 the. we've given him way too much power. What the devil does is lies to us. He's told you lies about himself. He's told you lies about his power. He's told you lies about all kinds of things. I'll go as far to say when we feel like we're in spiritual, far more of our spiritual warfare that we have is us with ourselves and our own carnal nature than it is with Satan. What Satan has done is told you a lie. You're not good enough. You could do that better. 
you're entitled to. What would it be like if I deserve this? It's unfair. He just plants those seeds. And then it's our brain that keeps on working them over and over and over and over and over. And we start mulling that. It's a seed and a seed of Satan. And what we do is we water it and we fertilize it and we help that, that thing just nurture and grow and become a huge weed that strangles our soul. He didn't have to do much. He just spoke a lie into your life. And we just took it off. That's why in Ephesians, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. You have to rebuke these thoughts and move on. Listen, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy without this, but that's okay. I've been walking the dog around my neighborhood. I'm in a big circle. It's just a big circle, and I walk, I walk my dog around the neighborhood, and I've had these battles going on, and, and just the enemy is attacking me. And I will stop Sophie in mid, you know, chasing a squirrel, and just like, in Jesus' name, get away from me. Like, out loud. I don't even care. People are like, eh, that guy's talking to himself again. I don't, I don't care because the spiritual battle is more important. But in Jesus' name, get away from me, Satan. And I'm fixating on a lie. I'm fixating on how I feel offended. I'm fixating on how I'm hurt. I'm fixating on something that maybe I don't even have any control over. And like, in Jesus' name, get away from me. And there's power in that. There's freedom in that. You may lose some friends. Um, And that takes us to the next point. The devil is subject to our God. We do not live in a dualistic world. Dualistic means God is on one side, Satan's on the other, and they have equal power. Okay. One of the easy ways to know a world religion is not true is when Satan and God have the same power. This is not the case. This is a lie of Satan. He is told to gain, gain, uh, to think that, hey, they think I'm better than I am. This is awesome. What was his first sin? Pride. I want to be God. So if I get them thinking I'm as powerful as God, I win. Right? All of our video games, all of our culture, this is the, the main lie that's going on. Uh, I play a lot of video games. I see the theological fallacies in them. That, that Satan is, or the evil thing, or whatever it is, and that is more powerful than the good. This is wrong. And we start believing that, and we start believing that lie, and now we've elevated Satan to a place he does not belong at all. It's not dualistic. Satan has... God is so much bigger, so much more powerful. He's already won the war. He's already thrown him down. And yet we keep on saying, oh, I'm so scared of him. This has been a week, right? My dad had an emergency gallbladder surgery. All kinds of things are going on this week. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't tell Kelly that I was talking about spiritual warfare this Sunday. I didn't want to get yelled at. <laughs> so, you know, we're just, it's, it is what it is. But he's, he's powerful, but he is subject to our God. There is no struggle for power in the universe. God is already one. God is already in control. All the songs we sang today was talking about how amazing God is, how powerful God is, that he can take us from the waves that threaten to, to crush us, that, that our, we want to see his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. All, everything has been geared towards that. Because that is the mindset that we have to have, not one of fear, 
but of one of victory. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are our weapons? How do we fight back? How do I stand firm? Because, Jared, I'm very apparent that Satan is real because I'm fighting with him every day, and it just feels like I'm getting worked over by him all the time. Here's some weapons. The name of Jesus. I already told you a story on that. Philippians 2, 9. Therefore God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name... that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> Romans ten thirteen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we take it for granted. We blaspheme it. We make it a curse word. We make it an exclamation. We, when we're surprised, woo! Right? What, we, just, we say it all the time. It's used as a word to, to fill in the gap when we have nothing else to say. The name of Jesus has power. And as I was thinking about this this week, I started thinking about the scripture says that we are armed with a sword, the sword of truth. And I, I feel like sometimes we use our sword of truth, this beautiful, wonderful weapon, and we use it as a shovel. We use it as a shovel, and we dig around with it, and we poke things with it, and then we get mad because this shovel is terrible. And we, we, we dig excrement with it, and we fling it around. And this is when we use it out of context, when we use it as a curse, when we use it as an exclamation. And that's not what it's used for. It's the name of Jesus. That has power to break chains and strongholds on our lives. That that the evil one has to run away from. He's shaking in his boots. He is scared of. And yet we use it as a shovel. It's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is not to be dragged in the mud, but held in reverence. It's not a curse word, but instead, it's what breaks the curse. Some of us have grown up in families where GD or Jesus Christ is used as dad's favorite exclamation. If that's you, dad, and you struggle with that sitting in your lazy boy right now, I want you to stop it. You can break that chain. You can tame that tongue because that's a lie of Satan to take to convince you that your most powerful weapon is nothing but a shovel. Do you see that? And this is what he does all the time. He takes something good and starts to taint it. He takes something wonderful and just, and just starts to, to tick it. And that's what lies does. He deceives us into thinking and to taking away the power of beautiful things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being with Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it, or understand it, or know it. 
The darkness cannot comprehend it. Jesus is the bringer of life and light, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Be careful how you use the name of Jesus. But when you claim Jesus as Lord in your life, when you ask him to protect you, when you ask him to guard you, when you ask, and Jesus, Jesus, heal me of this, and Jesus, shine light into this, In the name of Jesus, get away from me, Satan. When you ask that, you are directing the spotlight of heaven onto the yuck. So don't be afraid of what you see when you actually can see in the the eye of light. Some of us, we we it's not a it's not a vampire thing, right? When you see the sun and they start melting, it's not a a wicked witch of the west thing. It is now that the light is shining on it. Now I have a choice. Am I going to clean that up and throw it away? Or am I going, oh, that's messy, and and just take away the light? Far too often, we're like, Jesus, protect me of this. You. Right? And we put the shutter on it. Jesus, protect me of this next Sunday. It's still gross. God, why didn't you clean that up? He's not the maid. He's God. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness cannot overwhelm the light. Second tool that we have, second powerful weapon is the word of God. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand firm then in the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God in knowing and reading the Bible gives us the wisdom to know when and how we're being deceived. It's through the scripture. It's through this wisdom. If you want to know and see where you're being deceived in life, you've got to be studying the scripture. It's amazing. I think sometimes the scripture will just show you areas in your life and you get very uncomfortable reading the scripture because you're like, I don't want to, I don't, that light is being shined on my nastiness. Well, I got a cure for that. I'll shut the Bible. Is that our response or do we go, no, now I have to clean this. I hate cleaning. Kelly, as you know, is, is pregnant, and she's getting pregnant every day, right? And she's working full-time now, so there's this idea that the dishes have to get washed. Have you noticed this thing? And so because we've been doing, uh, she's been working, and, and I've been working, um, Crock-Pot has become a very, very helpful tool in our house, except those things have to be cleaned too. Because for some reason, when you, clean, you cook something for like 12 hours in them, and then you eat the utensil stuff in it and take it out, and you close the lid, it becomes a Petri dish, right? And some of you are like, oh, that is gross. I'm never eating at Jared's house ever again. <laughs> you, don't judge me. You do it too. Uh, but we have this, this issue going on. We have this stuff going on that, that, that until I attack it, until I roll up my sleeves and say, yes, there's, and I turn on, I can turn off the lights, I can shove it in the corner and just be like, well, it doesn't exist. And some of you have sin issues and stuff in your life that you read the Bible and you're like, oh, let's just turn the page. I'm going to go back to David and Goliath. That was more fun. Right? But until you open that lid and you smell the potpourri of last week's pot roast and you deal with it, you're never going to remove the ick and the, uh, the, the junk that's growing in your very own house. 
You got the same stuff happening in your life, in your, your heart today. You may judge me about my pot roast issues, but you have the same stuff going on. The Word of God and knowing and reading the Bible gives us wisdom to know who we are or when we are being deceived and lied to. His major weapons, Satan's major weapons, are deception and lying. Truth banishes deception and lying. Get the Word of God, read it, read it, read it, read it. If you don't understand it, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Just because you don't like something found in the Scripture doesn't mean it's wrong. You may have to adjust your point of view. I know that's very hard for us in this time, but my friend on Facebook said this, so that must be right. I'm going to go with a 10,000-year-old document that's never changed. You go with your friend. I, I think I will win. I like God better. He's... Anyway, <clears throat> don't want to go there. Third weapon, and this is the chump card. This is the I win card. The power of the cross. Revelation 1, 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus going, ching, 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 ching. I win. I got it. I got the keys. Not you. I got the keys. Revelation 12, 11, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The cross defeats Satan. The war has won. There may be battles that you are fighting today, and there is going to be battles that you will fight for the rest of your life. But the war is won. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, more than conquerors. We have won the war, but we act like we're getting beat every single day. It's because we don't adhere to the truth. We don't read the scripture. We don't let it resonate our lives, and we're afraid to get rid of the pot roast gunk. We are more than conquerors. We are not to be afraid, but rather aware. First John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If you are struggling with this idea today, if, you, if you've been coming against some spiritual warfare stuff, you just, you just feel like things are going on. You've been lied to. You've been lying to yourself, maybe. You need to write this out, put it on a dry erase marker in your mirror, Print it out, tape it places. Because the one who is in you, Jesus Christ, who lives inside you, is greater than the one who is in the world. You have the victory. Let's act like it. Don't live in fear. We have the victory. Pray with me. Ben, come on up. God, we thank you for the victory we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for fighting for us. We thank you for freedom in you, Jesus. Thank you that I don't have to be a slave to fear. Thank you that I don't have to be a slave to shame, that you have redeemed me, that I'm a child of God. Thank you that I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. Instead, I can be more than a conqueror. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, that you are a redeemer, that you are the author, that you are a perfecter of life that you are not for death for me, that you are for life for me. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for setting me on a new path. Thank you for giving me eternal life, Jesus. We ask for wisdom and discernment right now. 
We want to know when we're being lied to from the enemy. God, that we would have your eyes, that our truth detector would be on full alert. We ask for perseverance. Perseverance in our lives at work and at home and with our family. Lord, be our protection and our defender. Let us put on the full armor of God. That we would stand firm. And then when the waves come, we still stand. Let us recognize the tactics of the enemy. Let us recognize the lies that are being told to us and extinguish those fiery darts in our faith. God, we love you. We thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.